Welcome to Forward Progress on the Hammer Betting Network. Today, we're doing another Q&A show answering questions that the viewers have asked. If your question is not asked on today's episode or you'd like one answered on a future episode, tweet us at Forward Progress HQ, comment on this YouTube feed, or email us at forwardprogress at thehammer.bet. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you're excited about the football season, and you plan on doing some betting, you need to sign up for Pinnacle in Ontario. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book. Find out what professional bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. Everyday competitive odds, bet smart, bet Pinnacle, must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. I'm your host, G-Stack George, and today I'm joined by the Hitman to do a little Q&A from the listeners. Hitman, thanks for joining us. Happy to be on. Let's get it going. All right, we got our first question from Twitter. Real Philly Chi asks, why does it seem like everyone is down on New Orleans but foaming at the mouth over Atlanta? First drive yesterday with Carr was flawless. Defense has always been strong and coached well under Allen. Nine and a half wins seems light for such a bad division. Hitman, let's start with you. Why is Atlanta getting the love that Phil here thinks New Orleans should be getting? Well, I think New Orleans personally is priced about what they should be. Um, I do agree that the Atlanta hype's gotten a little out of control and I have about a two point difference in power rating between the two teams. But whenever you hear people talking about it, it's like, Oh, I love Atlanta and new Orleans. You really don't hear much hype going either way. But um, let me start with new Orleans. Their roster is pretty solid across the board. My big question with them is the coaching not not Dennis Allen's coaching of defense I know that he can coach a defense well but it's more like the game management stuff with him that kind of didn't seem to come natural last year but the roster I mean you have a solid quarterback you have a decent offensive line you have some really good weapons that are surrounding Derek Carr right now including a guy like Jawan Johnson that could potentially be a sleeper this year and then you have a defense where the back seven is really solid. A little bit of question marks about their depth, especially on the front four. But it's a roster that is, is pretty good. So I, I, I think that New Orleans, probably around the nine and a half number, is about fair. Um, Atlanta, that's a team that if I had to play, if I had any type of lean on an over-under between the Saints and Atlanta – it would be under eight and a half wins. It got bet up from when the opener came out at seven and a half. There were some groups that moved this number really high, but we're getting to the point that it's like under eight and a half plus money right now, which for me, it's, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of ifs with Atlanta. We know that they made a lot of additions to their defense in the off season, but we don't know how they're going to gel together. We don't know Kyle Pitts health coming back from the injury that he had and a lot of questionable receiver depth across from Jake uh, across from Drake London. And we have a quarterback that let's be honest, if we had to rate quarterbacks one to 32 right now, yes, Desmond Ritter obviously has potential, but we probably have to rank him 32nd. So for, for me, Atlanta under would be the, the play that I'd make. And I think that new Orleans is a, maybe at least a tier better than Atlanta. Oh, Phil, you get no disagreement from uh, Hitman, and I'm going to make it three for three because I have also been resistant to show the Atlanta love. And uh, the thing is, I think Atlanta's 
priced around where they where they could be i have them right around that mark the problem is i don't see the extreme right tail outcome that others do i don't see a high ceiling uh team when i look at atlanta i think atlanta's got a pretty good o-line a good stable of running backs but drake london and kyle pitts is like a poor group of pass catchers just because nobody's fast no one stretches the field it's not a difficult offense to defend against whereas like you compare new orleans you trust their quarterback more. The O-line, I think, might be not as good, but uh, Chris Olave is a special receiver. He forces you to defend all aspects of the field. And frankly, New Orleans has a much better defense than Atlanta. Like, a best-case scenario for Atlanta's defense, it just feels like average is a best-case scenario from them. I trust Teran Matthew and Marcus Maymore. I like their linebacking core with Demario Davis and Pete Warner. And I trust uh, the corner trio of like Lattimore, Roby, and Adebo more than AJ Terrell, Jeff Okuda, who the Lions gave up on, and Robert Alford. So no, no disagreements from either of us. Hitman, I'm glad to hear that you are not um, talking about Atlanta in the NFC Championship game like some people. And uh, we both agree New Orleans seems to be a tier better and probably should be getting more spotlight than Atlanta is. The next question comes from an email listener. Rich Hornstein asks, what's the best value now on season wins and division title? And we'll go to Pinnacle Odds to take a look at these. Um, Hitman, what are you looking at? First, let's start with division. What, what stands out to you as being the best price today, even if it's not necessarily something you would bet right now? It would be the Titans around three to one. I mean, this line has moved in the past month. There was one point where the Titans were like right around or even behind the Colts at some places, which was ridiculous. But stuff has happened since that point. They obviously added DeAndre Hopkins, which kind of signaled to everybody. All right, this there was rumors like, all right, maybe they sit Ryan Tannehill in the back half of the season. Things aren't going well. It seems like the Titans are going to be in it to, to compete now. With, with that addition was the biggest thing that signaled to me. And th this is a team that, yes, the offensive line is a huge question mark. I'm not going to dismiss that. But it's a team that has potentially a top 10 defense. It's been led by a coach that has always overachieved, especially with this defense. Their defensive line is really solid. Four playmakers that if you put – the Titans playmakers up against not many teams can surpass a foursome of Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, and Okwanko, who's going to be who led the league last year in route yards per route run for tight ends and has, was a combine freak. And yeah. then you have a, a decent quarterback. So for me, and for me, it, it's Tennessee, and I'm down on the Jags in the division. Not that they shouldn't be the favorite. Of course they should be, but just a little lower on them than, than the market. And then Houston and Indy, big question marks with both teams, rookie quarterbacks. So this Titans team, I think it could be another year that they possibly overachieve uh, market expectations. You know, um, when you say Chigo Cuanco and he did blow up the, the combine, he is a workout warrior. I think of him as like sneaky good, his – his name profile isn't as good as his potential this year. And I look at him, I'm like, oh, that's somebody that Hitman's going to target early in the season just because <laughs> I see the smile because uh, he's not getting enough press. And I think uh, 
he might be that hidden gem for them, at least the big play threat. I don't mirror the uh, Tennessee play, and I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to give a play out at this point in the season. I still like Green Bay at their price, but I, I don't want to bore you and give you, you know, episode number 87 of a bunch of sharp bettors saying Green Bay is a good bet. So I'll leave it at that, um, and it's more of a fade of Detroit. When you think of the win totals, uh, Hitman, which win total stands out for you on the board that you think you could still bet today? Um, it would probably be Chicago under seven and a half. Just, you know, it, it seems like Chicago, there's all this talk about how they made additions and free agency to their defense, which was one of the worst defenses in the league last year. But they really weren't many additions that you're like, oh, my God, like Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. It wasn't something that's really going to move the needle a ton. And obviously you add DJ more, but it's still a playmaking core that has a lot of just average guys and Khalil Herbert, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, who was a bust considering the, the compensation that Chicago gave up for him. And I think that their offensive line could be pretty solid run blocking, but some pass blocking concerns. Justin Fields was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league as far as holding onto the ball and taking too many unnecessary sacks last year. So I just think that Chicago is the type of team that Justin Fields – it's almost presumed that he's going to take a huge leap. And if he does take that leap, seven and a half is probably fair. And if he doesn't take that leap, then we've obviously seen what this team's floor is, which last season was the number one overall pick. Yeah, it feels like the market's already uh, overcompensated for that leap because they go from three wins last year to uh, eight and a half, like, Nine wins is a, a, a huge leap to take. I kind of stay in that division and I want to fade a little bit of the Lions at nine and a half minus 107. I think Green Bay is better than people are talking about. I also think Minnesota is uh, better than people are talking about. Not as good as they were uh, record wise last year, but I don't think they're as bad as being discussed right now. So that's that's a team that I'm looking to fade. I just think that division has a whole lot of variance within itself. And I find it hard pressed to find that one of these teams will run away with it. I, I this might be a division that literally comes down to the last week and multiple teams in play. We go to uh, takes by Jay on Twitter for the last question: Are watching uh, after watching the Broncos game? Is Russ one hundred percent cooked with Russ's contract? Could you see the Broncos moving off Russ and going to Stidham? Let's say Stidham were to start all 17 games for the Broncos. Would they be better or worse than where you currently have them rated? Let's break it down question by question there. Um, Hitman, do you think Russ is uh, close to being done, or do you think there's still a little bit of game left in him that Payton can unlock? Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to say that just definitively that he's cooked, but probably my opt I'm more on the side that he might be that than – that he still is the quarterback than what he was in Seattle. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did get benched halfway through the season, if he is struggling. Um, Wilson's athleticism seems to have taken a step back and he was never, he was a guy that needed to rely on that athleticism, at least to move around the pocket, because obviously he's never been the biggest quarterback and you also have the fact that defenses have been running more of the too high safety the last two, three years, which Russell Wilson's game when he was in his prime was throwing deep running when Seattle was a run first, take deep play action shots type offense. 
So I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say if he is or not, but I would say that it, it, I think we'll know early. We'll know early in the season because if he doesn't get it going early with Sean Payton, it, that's a concern. And I, if, it, if that does happen that way, wouldn't be surprised if he does end up getting benched at some point. Yeah, you're right about the cover two. And like a lot of Russ's game was like schoolyard football, uh, scramble, freestyle, receivers changing routes, moon balls, as opposed to being a methodical passer that carves you up the middle. Um, okay, Denver's also a team that I'll know pretty early in the season how good he is and how good they can be. So I'm keeping an open mind. Let's play a fun exercise because, frankly, we have a two-game sample size on Jared Stidham. And just for fun, I broke down uh, his two starts uh, just to look at it in context of a 17-game season and a pace. He threw for 584 yards, four touchdowns, three INTs. His EPA per play was 0.04, would have put him 21st in the league just behind Andy Dalton. His success rate was 52%, would have put him fourth, tied with Trevor Lawrence. His CPOE, CPOE was 2.8, would have put him fourth, just ahead of Joe Burrow. All right, we have no idea how good Stidham is, and we don't know how bad Russell Wilson is. If uh, the market came out and Russell Wilson was going to uh, miss week one hit, man, where do you even begin to figure out a point adjustment for Jared Stidham? Is it like stay away? I have no clue what range, uh, what range of uh, a downgrade this guy is. It would probably be off the top of my head a point and a half of a downgrade to Stidham. I mean, the numbers that you ran off were impressive, and I mean, he had a great game specifically when they played San Francisco. I know a lot and of people. Got, he covered, yeah. yeah. All of us yeah. who got ahead of the line move got burned because Stidham was too good. Yeah, a lot of people had some great numbers on um, on San Francisco in that game. But at the end of the day, this is a guy that hasn't done much. The sample size is so small. He hasn't done much in his career. He just hit the open market, and he got a two-year, $10 million contract, which, yeah, that's solid backup money. But it's nothing – to go go absolutely crazy about. So that's what the league thought of him going into this season. So right now with me with Stidham, it's just, you know, he's he's an above average backup. Russ, probably a below average starter at this point in his career. But at least with Russ, we do know that there is a ceiling to his game that, oh, me, there's a, it's at least inside the realm of possibilities. Oh, Sean Payton will get Russ to play like he did in Seattle when Russ was a top five, six, seven quarterback. With Jared Stidham, that ceiling just doesn't exist. So for me, off the top of my head, probably would be a, about a one and a half, two point downgrade to Stidham. But, you know, it, it could be more. If Russ plays like he did in Seattle, it could be a bigger downgrade. If Russ is cooked, it, it could be a half point downgrade or not downgrade at all. But, that would be my best guess at the moment. Yeah, for the sake of guessing, I also had it in the same range. And I said just because Sean Payton's going to limit how much Russ influences the offense, I think he's going to do a lot more running and and figure out some plays off play action and manufacture offense as opposed to letting Russ sling the ball. And uh, again, it's too many unknowns. We just don't know how much Russ has left. 
I think Denver's going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch the first two weeks just to figure out just how good or bad they can be. Uh, Hitman, I think that's it for us. We covered all the listeners' questions. Uh, if they have any more questions, we'll be back next week with another Q&A, and they can tweet us at Forward Progress HQ, comment on this YouTube feed, or email us at forwardprogress at thehammer.bet. From myself, from Hitman, thank you for watching Forward Progress on the Hammer Betting Network.